Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The NFL playoffs are down to four teams. The Tennessee Titans among the 28 that are now well into their offseason. Titans continue to sign players to future contracts, a, uh, a defensive lineman and an offensive lineman in recent days. Um, they, the search for coaches continues. No resolutions, no no selections there at this point. And Rand Carthen, the uh, the new general manager, is on the job, has been introduced to people in the building, the local media, to Nashville in general, and uh, and the early reviews are are positive, I think, as you would expect. But we will uh, we will look deeper into these things in this episode of Believe in Titans podcast, as always, with uh, former Titans cornerback Denard Walker. Denard, welcome in. Thanks, David, for having me. Thank you. No, I'm not. I'm not having you. We're all. We're all. We're all here together. This is one kumbaya moment. John Glennon. Collaboration, what? if you will. Collaboration to use uh, to use Rand Carthen's word. That's right. And I am David Beauclair. And let me remind you that the uh, the Believe in Titans podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. All right, uh, Rand Carthen, 
a lengthy, uh, a lengthy and and certainly upbeat press conference Friday afternoon. Um, I, I think I think everybody is pretty good these days in terms of knowing how to handle these sorts of moments. I I can't think of somebody in a high profile sports position who is really just bungled in an introductory press conference like that lately. But uh, uh, Denard, we'll start with you. What what did you take away from it? What uh, what's your first impressions of Rand Carthen? My first impression is. Um, this is a classy young man, 41 years old. We talk about the, we talked about last week, his pedigree, you know, his dad, Maurice playing a long time in the NFL, not to mention he was a, uh, offensive coordinator for the Browns and a long time assistant in the league. But one of the things I loved about him and, and I alluded to our last podcast that a successful organization lies in a head coach and a general manager getting along and seeing eye to eye. And I love how, when he opened up, uh, when you're talking about the opening remarks, it wasn't about the play of the quarterback or what we're going to do with Ryan Tannehill. It was about, he love, I love what he said. He says, my number one priority is spending time with Mike Vrabel. Uh, I think that's the key. Uh, both of these guys, both of these players, former players, and uh, both front office, Mike being a head coach now, and um, Ron, Ran, excuse me, being now in the front office, the GM position, uh, this is the key. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's the fact that I love what, excuse me, is he was talking, what Rand talked about was being um, in San Francisco and other organizations in Atlanta as a scout. And he, one of the things he mentioned was Cal Shanahan and John Lynch relationship. And he said the best way he's seen it done is when the head coach and the general, general manager are in lockstep. What a great way when you see these two uh, in San Francisco, what they're doing now. So again, I think once if he brings this to uh, Tennessee, it's going to be a beautiful relationship between these two. Yeah, and, and you know, for what it's worth, Mike Vrabel seemed to be in a particularly good mood that day at, at that press conference. If you if you want to read into that, you, I, I think you can say that, that at the very least, he's comfortable with the choice of Rand Carthen and uh, and, and looking forward to to building that that working relationship as well. I'm curious, John. You know, same same sort of thing. What did you take away from it? What's your first impression? Yeah, my my first impression was, uh, as you said, you know, I think I think when Amy Adams Strunk gave some brief comments as to what she was looking for in the search for the new general manager, you know, I think it was clear that that a that that John Robinson's uh, work in in terms of sort of constructing the roster had had slipped. Okay, so that was one thing that she was looking for, but she really did seem to emphasize that that word that we talked about earlier, collaboration was just as important, uh, you know, to her in, in finding a new GM. I mean, she used some form of the word collaboration four times in, in what was basically a release uh, about what she wanted in, in the new in the new general manager. So, you know, from from everything we have heard, read about Rand Carthen is that he is a is a relationship building kind of guy. And that was kind of the impression that I got you know, just from watching the uh, from from watching him speak, um, you know, delivering those opening remarks at at the presser, um, that that he is a guy that has done that throughout his uh, entire career, and then that is something that is very important to him uh, as well. You you know, you never got the sense from him 
that he was coming in here. And, and granted, he, this is a first-time GM job for him, and he's only 41. But still, you never got the sense that he was coming in here saying, look, I'm the guy now. Uh, you know, what What I'm saying goes. Uh, some decisions. We're going to be making some changes. No, no, it was none of that. It was, let's try and get this thing done together. Um, you know, let's see what we can do to build the best roster possible and, and get the best organization the best football team that we can. So that's that's one thing um, that struck me as well. You know, maybe a, another thing that, that stood out to me, and I wrote about this as well, that if, if I had to guess based on his early comments, he seemed more like a, a reload kind of guy as opposed to a rebuild kind of guy for these Titans. That's kind of one of the big questions that's been floating around the team during the offseason. You know, do you, do you look at a team that lost seven straight games, finished 7-10, has some older players, some holes. Do you say we're going to blow this whole thing up? We got to change everything. We got to get rid of the quarterback. We got to move on. Or do you say, hey, we had six straight winning seasons before this. We got some pretty good players. Maybe we just need to to patch some holes. You know, and in that sense, it's more of a reload. And then to me, the comments he made seemed to lean towards reload. He said they thought this was a very competitive football team. You know, he certainly seemed to embrace the Derrick Henry style of offense. Didn't give a definitive answer on Ryan Tannehill, which is not a surprise, but I didn't get the sense that, that uh, you know, we're going to see some massive changes during this offseason either. Yeah, yeah. two things that, that struck me, and, and to your point, John, that, that he didn't stand up there and say, well, now I'm going to show you people how to do this. Uh, you, you know, you, you see that from 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 folks who get these big-time positions, whether it's head coach, whether it's general manager, from, from time to time, that, that they feel like – Okay, once they get this position, it sort of validates everything they've done and everything they've they've thought about their their careers to that point, and they and, and they think they now have all the answers and and they're ready to go. I think John Robinson was a little bit guilty of that to some degree. With uh, with Rand Carthen, you didn't get that sense at all, and and in fact, he even he even he made the comment at one point that. It, you know, he looks at it like he tells his children that that every experience is a learning experience, and it, and it, uh, it it felt very much to me like that that that's how he looks at this job. That every day on the job, it's uh, it, it's okay. What's the new challenge today? How are we going to deal with this? What uh, what can we take from this into the next challenge? There there isn't this sense that that he thinks he has all the answers. He uh, I, I think it you would describe it more as. He thinks he knows a way to find the answers, and uh, and and that's a that that's a pretty important distinction. The other thing that was that was really fascinating is about twenty minutes before that press conference started, Rand Carthen came strolling into the media workroom at the Titans facility there, and and you know introduced himself, said I, I just want to come in and say hi. I, I look forward to meeting all you folks in person and and getting to know you know, the names with the faces and whatnot. And, and he said, and I understand you have a, you have a job to do and we're going to, we're going to try and find ways to work together. And, and by my recollection, that's, that's probably one more time than John Robinson maybe was ever in the, the media workroom out there. But, uh, and, and I tell that story, not because, you know, being nice to the media means you're going to be a good general manager, but I think it's uh, I, I think it, it it's informative in terms of how he deals with people in general. And when he talks about collaboration and, and all these other things that, that I, I think there's a, there's, you know, that, that gives the impression that it's not just lip service and, and, 
And in terms of dealing with the media, I, I would say he's probably already the closest thing this team has had to Floyd Reese in that position since uh, since Floyd Reese has been gone. And, you know, Floyd was a guy loved to talk to anybody about anything. I, I mean, you could you you could talk to him about some struggles you were having with your job, or you could talk to him about, uh, about, you know, you're thinking about buying a new car and what kind of car should you buy? Or you could even have some interesting off the record conversations with him about his football team. And, and he was happy to sort of engage you in, in all those sorts of things before. And even during the early parts of practices and whatnot. And, uh, and, and certainly Floyd was, was very successful and, and had a long run as, as a general manager. And from there you went to, to Mike Reinfeld, who wanted absolutely nothing to do with the media and, and near as I can tell pretty much anybody else in the building at any point and, and had a short unsuccessful tenure. Then you went to Rustin Webster who uh, Rustin I think is a good guy at heart and, and wants to be a good guy, but he was so distrusting of the media. Like you, you couldn't even have a conversation with the guy about the weather, you know, like you, you start talking about the clouds in the sky and you could see him, you know, just get all nervous trying to think, you're like, what, what are you angling for here? I mean, it was, it was, there was just such paranoia there. And and then you went to John Robinson who was sort of bipolar where you had these, these really nice moments, you know, candid moments with him where you could have a good conversation and, and then and then 10 minutes later you know you're an absolute enemy of the state and i think uh, I, I think the vast majority of the time he considered the media the enemy of the state and uh, um so in terms of in terms of rand carthens just general ability and willingness to to deal with people in general i i i came away from that thinking you know there's a there there's there's something to everything that we've heard about him and then everything he subsequently said in his uh in in his remarks there certainly uh I don't know if people heard either. Denard, your former head coach Jeff Fisher is a big fan of him. Jeff Fisher came out and said, "Well, be, with with Rand Carthen and Mike Vrabel, um, you know, all my records now in in terms of coaching the Titans and whatnot are going to be broken." He's he's uh, he's very confident that they will be a, uh, a a competent and productive duo there. Yeah, and just to piggyback, <clears throat> David, uh, about Sarge. Uh, a lot of times people don't remember before Floyd Reese was a general manager, he was a coach. Yeah. You know, he coached linebackers in the league. He was a coach at UCLA, his alma mater when he first uh, GA and then he coached there for a long time. So, you know, when you, when you've kind of been there, you, you develop empathy. I mean, you, you can relate to players and you can also relate to media because you, you've, you kind of like in both worlds, you know, you've been a part of it. So that's the thing that you love about Rand is that he's been a player in this league I think he can come in right away and he can create or at least kind of establish a bond probably with a lot of these players. And I think that helps out because the thing with Floyd Reese is that his door was always open. You can talk about anything but football. And also the thing that made Floyd so great, uh, as long as you didn't get in trouble, you know, he kind of understood kind of what was going on with you. So if you struggle you know, it wasn't like you got some general manager, like you have to be perfection. You know, he knew as a coach, you know, guys are going to struggle. So that's why he was so re- he was so relatable. That's why guys love him, because of the fact that he had a what I call an open door policy. 
and and John the Air Jordans, you know, there was a there was sort of a a, a lightheartedness about uh, about Rand Carthen too, and you know his kids were decked out in jerseys, and he told his wife, you know, when she was buying them, hey, get get me one too, you know, there there you know there there just definitely was not this sense of you know this is this is now life and death for me you know now that i've got this position yeah i, I agree with that and and you know i i think it's also worth um you know maybe freezing that moment and maybe three five years down yeah. the line maybe looking at things you know after he's been around uh the nfl and been through the ringer and uh not not to say been around the nfl but through the general manager ringer uh you know and, and dealt with you know all the difficulties and challenges that come with this job and we'll see how things are are at that point and and hopefully he is just the same upbeat open-minded guy uh that we saw you know as as he took the job but um, just to touch on 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 one word that I, that I just used there, open-minded. I'll, I'll take it in a little bit of a of a different direction. You know, um, I, I wrote about this too. Um, you know, the 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 topic of of analytics in in football, and in terms specifically of drafting and evaluating personnel, was brought up. And and we know that that John Robinson, his predecessor, was not someone who really was who agreeable with with analytics tended to be sort of more traditional old school you know i watch film the heck with all this numbers business um kind of guy uh whereas Rand carthen i i thought um you know when he was asked about that uh, again showed a much more open-minded willingness to embrace different things uh you know he comes from an organization where where analytics was heavily used in the draft uh was heavily used in evaluating personnel with success um, and, you know, I, I think we'll see a, a team under Rand Carthen, an organization under Rand Carthen, kind of branch out in, in that avenue more. And that struck me as another bit of a, of a difference from sort of an old school approach from John Robinson to more of a, a younger, newer, open, more open minded guy in Rand Carthen. So a little bit different take there. But, but you know, I think some similarities to what we've been talking about. Onto the uh, the coaching staff, there, there's the, the search for the offensive coordinator continues. Search for an offensive line coach continues. Reportedly, the Titans have offered their secondary coach position to uh, to Chris Harris, who is currently with the Washington Commanders, and he will uh, add the title pass defense coordinator or something to that effect. Um, skills position, offensive skills position coach Eric Frazier has not been replaced. Jim Schwartz, senior defensive assistant, is officially in Cleveland. Uh, Denard's final, uh, Denard's last defensive coordinator with the Titans, Jim Schwartz, is, uh, is back in a, in a full-time role with Cleveland, called his two years with the, uh, with the Titans fulfilling, uh, as, as where he was sort of a mentor to, to Shane Bowen and some of the other mm-hmm. defensive coaches. It's unclear whether the, the, the Titans will try to fill that role again, or if, uh, if they can go on without that. But then, uh, then, then an interesting, uh, an interesting report Monday morning, tight end coach Luke Steckel is interviewing with the, uh, with the Los Angeles chargers for their, offensive coordinator position and uh uh it's unclear mike vrabel hasn't talked specifically about any in-house candidates it's unclear whether uh whether he's a candidate for the uh for the titans job too but uh denard luke's father les was the offensive Mm -hmm. coordinator when when you were when you broke into the league with the titans uh 
do you know much about Luke? Was Luke around the team as a, as a youngster when you were uh, when you were playing? Do you, do you uh, have any recollection at all? I have no recollection of Luke, but I do know his dad uh, quite well. Coach Stuckel was a great coach. He was there uh, three years that I was there, 97, 98, and 99, before Mike Hammendinger got the job in 2000. And uh, if he's anything like his dad, I know he'll be a great um, offensive coordinator. Uh, and I think Luke Steckel brings a lot to the table. I mean, he's been in this organization for the last 10 years and not as an assistant. He's worked with the, with the receivers. He's worked with the tight ends, which was probably your most productive group other than your running back position uh, offensively. So, again, I, I, I think it would be a great hire of Tennessee. You can stay in-house. You know he knows the players quite well. He knows the culture I think he knows what Mike Vrabel wants. And if you look at the last two coordinators, they've come out of that tight end room. So, you know, and I know Todd Downing, Todd Downing, unfortunately got fired, but there was someone before that, Arthur Smith, who's now the head coach uh, in Atlanta, who's doing quite well. So I think it'd be a great, a great hire for for Tennessee because you know what you're going to get. He's a very smart young man. He grew up in what the Brentwood, Tennessee area. And also he went to Princeton. So, you know, he's bright and not to mention, uh, one of the things I love about him is the fact that um, he's very well versed, uh, you know, and after college, you know, he actually went to Los Angeles to be a production assistant, worked on a couple of movies. So, you know, that he's a very intelligent young man. So, again, if they go ahead and hire outside outside of the uh, organization, that depends on the head coach and the GM. But I think this would be a great hire because his dad was a great offensive coordinator for us. Yeah, they it was offensive coordinator during the Super Bowl year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you you can't discount that. It's uh it's funny, Les Steckel last year, I believe it was, took a job sort of as a favor to a friend with a division three school up in Kentucky as as quarterbacks coach. Just, you know, hey, I, you know, can you come and and help with uh you know, help with my quarterbacks? We, you know, and Les said, Yeah, sure. And and within like a couple weeks on the job there half the coaching staff was gone and the next thing you know Les Steckles the offensive coordinator for this uh, for this division 3 program and and I I talked to him and and it was uh, you know it was a one off thing in his mind it, it wasn't something that he planned to uh, planned to stick with but uh, but we had an interesting conversation that day and it was uh, I guess it was 2 years ago because it was right when uh, when Luke had gotten hired to be the tight ends coach and and sort of at the end of the conversation he brought that up and and you know with a father's pride you know told me mm-hmm. you know he was he was captain of a state championship team mm-hmm. at Brentwood High School and you know he was sort of giving me his resume and and he you know he he felt like that that was the step for his son that you know kind of on his way and you know John I I you know do, do you think do you think Maybe is it possible that the the Chargers' interest would be a surprise to Mike Vrabel and the Titans, or uh, or or do you think he's 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 among the in-house candidates for this job? Yeah, we don't know for sure. You know, we we've certainly speculated on some in-house candidates. You know, Tim Kelly and and uh, you know even even Pat O'Hara and Tony Dews. We've we've talked about as well. We never really focused much on on Luke Steckel, and and I think you know maybe some of the reasons for that are. You know, as you mentioned, he has been with the organization for a long time, but up until the last two years, it was always, you know, an, an assistant to an assistant, um, you know, or, or, or something along those lines. He's only been the tight ends coach uh, for the last two years, the only time he's had a position coach. And, you know, I guess what, what maybe really 
um, kept me from considering him as as a real offensive coordinator candidate here is just the fact that, that watching Titans practices and watching Titans training camp, what we saw at the tight end position was Tim Kelly spent nearly all of his time. You know, Tim Kelly was hired this offseason from Houston by, by Mike Vrabel, you know, as, as a uh, passing game coordinator. And he spent nearly all of his time with the tight ends and, and with Luke Steckel. And, and you know, that, that kind of gave off an impression anyway that, that really this was an area that the Titans needed a good bit of help in and that, and that maybe, and again, this is just an impression. No one ever said this, but that Luke Steckel maybe needed a little help um, you know, early on in his positional coaching career here. So maybe that's why Tim Steckel or Tim Kelly was, was so involved in, in that regard. So that's why his name didn't click with him, me immediately as an, as an OC candidate. You know, one thing we've heard a number of head coaches say um, over the years is that tight ends coaches, you know, are, are involved in a lot of the offense. You know, you've got to be, you've got to know a little bit, a lot about run blocking about pass blocking and obviously about pass catching too when when you're a tight ends coach and that helps you know the entire offense which can help you become a uh, a good offensive coordinator so you know I, I guess from that aspect maybe we shouldn't be too shocked but as I said earlier you know at, at least the impression that I got this year was that uh, you know Luke Steckel wasn't necessarily on the verge of becoming an offensive coordinator uh, so I would still see it as a as a bit of a surprise if he ended up as one next year, um, you know, at the age of 37, having only coached a position for two years. But stranger things have happened. Yeah, it, it's funny. I, I thought the same thing you know, with, with Tim Kelly's involvement with, with the tight ends, his obvious involvement. And it even was mentioned a couple of times that, you know, Tim Kelly spends a lot of time with the tight ends. I, I sort of half expected Luke Steckel to be fired when the, when the season ended and, and them to do something different there. Obviously, uh, obviously I misread that situation, but uh, you know, you say this for Luke Steckel, his resume in a lot of ways reads very similar to Arthur Smith's in, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, and, and that, that doesn't, that doesn't speak to how good an offensive mind he is or isn't, but it, it does, it does speak to how, how hard he's willing to work, how, how respected his work ethic is. I mean, you, you consider he's been with the Titans since 2013 when he started as assistant head coach, assistant to the head coach who then was Mike Munchak. Right. And that, I mean, that's a job that's, that's, basically a, a secretary I, I mean you're 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 running copies you're you're doing a lot of you're doing a lot of grunt work in, in that job but then he stuck around through Ken Wisenhunt through Mike Malarkey you know Mike Vrabel kept him on it's it's the same thing that Arthur Smith did and, and eventually works his way up to where he's the uh the tight ends coach is which you know as as Denard pointed out that's that's the spot from which Arthur Smith got his opportunity and and then Todd Downing so it's uh it it's really been a it, it's been a fascinating mind bender if you will in terms of how uh how I'm looking at Luke Steckel all of a sudden as uh as compared to just a couple of days ago but yes yeah, same thing as his dad his dad yeah. in uh what 95 and 96 was the uh tight ends coach and receivers coach so yeah. <laughs> looking very very identical as his father kind of yeah. rise to the top 
that that I, I you know I guess I guess that's the path. Tight ends tight ends mm-hmm. are the way are the way to get there. I, th- I think most people think quarterbacks, but uh, but apparently not. Um, one one tight end one of one of Luke Steckel's uh, projects this year was was Chigo Conquo, who was certainly one of maybe not the best, but certainly one of the best members of the uh, the Titans rookie class, which an uh, ESPN analysis in recent days determined that the uh, the Titans rookie class was uh, was the fourth best in the NFL in 2022 and that was uh, that was determined through a formula using information from sport uh, from sports info solutions and football outsiders it's it's analytic stuff we we won't spend time getting into all the all the gory details of of how those numbers come together then but uh, but maybe the most interesting part is the the fact that it, it was three undrafteds that that were pointed out too in in terms of uh, punter Ryan Stonehouse, cornerback Trey Avery, and and inside linebacker Jack Gibbons who played late. You know, c- contributed much to uh, to the Titans' ranking. And uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll start with you, John. Uh, how how good a sign is this for the future for this organization? Do you think? It's, and it's, do you buy do you buy that it that this was one of the best rookie classes? Well, it's it's hard to say. Of course, after one year, I think they had a pretty good, not not a great, uh, you know, overall year for for this rookie class. Um, but you know, maybe as time goes on, maybe this does kind of become a almost like a, a parting gift of of John Robinson to the Titans. You know, we we know all the uh, the. Uh, kind of the whiffs and, and the mistakes of the of the 2020 and the 2021 classes um, that John Robinson had. But, you know, if if you look at the 2019, which was a banner year, obviously there was A.J. Brown, Jeffrey Simmons, David Long, Amani Hooker, Nate Davis. That was a great, great class. You know, maybe this bookends, maybe 2022, maybe bookends kind of two poor uh, classes in that regard and, and helps balance it out a little bit. But yeah, you look at it and, and I think individually you look at, you've got probably a couple potential stars, uh, certainly in, in Traylon Burks and, and Chigo Conquo. I think guys that, that could really become stars in this league. I think you've got um, at least two that could become solid, good, reliable starters. Roger McCreary um, and Nicholas Petit Frere, right tackle. His numbers were not especially good this year, but I think both of those guys will benefit from better coaching next year. Both of those guys will have position coach changes um, that, that should make them better players. So I think you're going to get some, uh, you know, upgrades in, in that uh, area as well. Ryan Stonehouse, you mentioned, we all know record setting years, a punter, he looks to be a fixture for, you know, a decade probably. So that's, that's a tremendous grab. And then, yeah, the the, uh, the depth guys um, that that really could uh, could prove um, you know beneficial in years to come are certainly Trey Avery and and Jack Gibbons as well. Still, to me, when you look at this uh, draft class as a whole, the big question you know in the long run whether this is a a great, a good, or potentially even not good class in the future. It's going to come back to, to Malik Willis um, and what they get from from Malik Willis. If he turns out to be, you know, a guy who can start for this franchise and you add the other guys to it, uh, you know, that that's going to be a great draft class. Um, if not, uh, I still don't – if he doesn't, if he fizzles, 
I still don't think it's the end of the world for this draft class, and, and here's the reason why, and we've talked about it before. He's a third-round pick. He's not a first-round. You didn't bank everything, uh, your future, on, on Malik Willis. So it's not the end of the world if he doesn't make it. And you made a selection of Malik Willis when you had acquired extra picks from earlier trades. So you had a little bit more room to to uh, to spare, if you will, if you if you made, um, you know, if you wanted to take a chance on a guy like Malik Willis. So if he succeeds, this this class is going to be great, but it still has a chance to be good, uh, uh, very good, even even without him. Denard, you, you've been high on Trey Avery. You, you, you've talked about how poor Roger McCreary has overcome the short arms that, that and, uh, alligator arms with, uh, yeah. you know, 17 um, games he started this year. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I guess that, you know, that for, for a guy like McCreary who got that much playing time and, and saw that much this year, how much does that help him become a, a, a really good player in this league, as opposed to somebody who has to, to wait and sort of, you know, pit, you know, gain experience and fits, fits and starts here. You don't become great overnight in this league. It's about working. And, and it's also about experience and the way that you judge a draft class is over time, not their first year. I kind of look at Malik. I know he took some, uh, some licks this year, but you know what, when I look at Malik, I see a lot of potential and I see promise when you go back and you just go back to the olden days and you think about some of the former first rounders in their first year, look at Troy Aikman. He had an abysmal season that first year in 1989 in Dallas. He had a low QBR quarterback rating. What they didn't win. I think they won one game. You look at John Elway, his rookie year, terrible rookie year. And you can go back further than that to probably one of the greatest chargers to ever play the game. And Dan Fouts, you're talking about, I talk, I, I'm calling San Diego. He had a terrible, I think he was like, he won only a few games this rookie season. So you, you see the potential. And you, when you, but when you also look at this draft class this year, what I love about, and when we talk about stats, sometimes are misleading. There's some things that you can't judge. You talk about Chigo Conquo, your fourth rounder this year, and look at the production. Look how productive he was as a player. Look at the contributions that he made to this offense. You go back to the first game. Uh, when Tennessee and Indy played and everybody in that stadium, when they lined up uh, Derrick Henry and you had Chigo Conquer on the backfield, who in the world thought that they're going to go to number 85 and not 22? That's, that's you know, that, I, I, it fooled me. I'm sure it fooled Indianapolis. Like, you got to be kidding me. You went to a rookie on a pivotal play in a pivotal down like this. And then you talk about Roger McCurry comes in, he beats out your number one from a previous year, Caleb Farley. And thinking about it, he was targeted. He only gave up eight yards uh, every time he was targeted, 8.8 just to be exact. I mean, that's amazing. That means you're not getting beat over the top. And you and he's also stout in the run game. But you also what you see in this rookie class is they take that experience, they build on that, and it's a lot of promise that when you look at these players. I mean, think about Ryan Stonehouse. He was undrafted, David. And look yeah. at what he was able to do, a 53.1-yard gross punting average. I mean, that's a record that stood for near, over 80 years, and he broke that. And then we talk about Trey Avery. Look at his ability. I mean, an undrafted free agent. Look at look at the game against Philly. We talked about, yeah, he gave up a, a, a touchdown to A.J., a long touchdown. But what, what do you love about Trey Avery? His ability to fight. That's what you want to see. And so when you ran Carthon and you come in and you look at this rookie class, you're thinking, man, this is a good place to start building right here on top of this class from 2022. 
And, and say this too, they got zero, absolutely zero in the regular season from inside linebacker Chance Campbell, their last pick in the draft. But Campbell was a guy that everybody was really excited about coming out of the preseason. I, I mean, he played well and, and was, was, you know, had the green dot on his helmet by the end of the preseason. And, and, and you know, was it, was a guy that, you know, when you talk about judging a draft class over time, he, he, he got hurt, spent the whole year on injured reserve then, but you know, he's a guy who I think is going to play a lot of football for this team over the next couple seasons, uh, assuming he can get healthy. But uh, so we can beat out Dr. Gibby now. Dr. Gibby kind of became Chance Campbell. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, well, that's a, yeah. That, that's that's exactly right. But uh, okay, real quickly, the uh, the Titans sent to the media on Monday their their final stat package of the year. Um, you know, kind of everything that everything that you're going to use to remember this team by John Glennon. One number that jumped out at you real quickly when you looked at those. Uh, well, sadly, it, it uh, goes back to the offense and, and what a struggling year it was for the offense. And the one that really stands out for me is the player who led this team in uh, re- in touchdown receptions this year. It was not a wide receiver. It was not a tight end. It was running back Dontrell Hilliard, who led the Titans with four touchdown catches, only played 12 games, only caught 21 passes. So good for Dontrell. But the fact that he was the leader in the touchdown receptions, uh, it's kind of a sad uh, illustration of how poor this passing attack was. Denard Walker, when you think about the uh, the Tennessee Titans 2022 season, what uh, what what number will you remember? What what will you think about right now? John took the words right out of my mouth. You know how it's just the receiving core this year. I mean, they just were not productive. And when you see your your running back leading you in pass touchdowns, that's that's not good for your team. And again, that's why, unfortunately, your general manager's gone and your offensive coordinator is fired this year. I'm going to go with, believe it or not, uh, this uh, this one is surprising to me. How many people know that Derrick Henry led the NFL in yards after the catch this season? 12.03 yards after the catch. His uh, his average reception was three-tenths of a yard past the line of scrimmage, so almost all his receiving yards came after the catch. Uh, you know, he's still – no one's going to confuse him with Christian McCaffrey or or any of the other great receiving running backs right now, but uh, but Derrick Henry made some gains and, and was a real factor in the passing game at times this year. So that's uh, – that's the number I'm going to remember. We hope uh, we hope you'll remember us again next week and and in the weeks to come throughout the off season. For John Glennon, for Denard Walker, I am David Beauclair. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.